Well, good morning and welcome once again. Great to be back on a, another Sunday. And you would think it was the end of May instead of the end of February, as warm as it is outside. Right, here we are. And uh, so we got through our little series on purpose and of course purpose is always a, a big part of what we talk about when we talk to God. God has a purpose in everything that he does and it will always be a, a constant force in our lives and so we're looking at what we're going to discuss today and I heard a, a song come on the radio and it said I only talk to God when I need a favor. And I was like, well, that sounds like the theme to, to many of us. We've talked about many times that we only, we only use God as a last resort. We try to do everything in our own power. And we wait and we try to do everything, and only when we're in complete and total desperation do we turn to God. And for many of us, that's the only time that we talk to God. We don't bother to talk to Him when times are good. We don't bother to praise Him. We don't thank Him for our blessings. We don't thank Him for our abilities. We don't thank Him for being able to wake up take in a breath of fresh air, put our feet on the floor and be able to start our day. We don't thank Him for the good times. We don't thank Him for the troubled times. Most of the time what we do is condemn Him. We tell Him we don't need Him and we show Him that. Matthew 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put up to seize to silence, and when they gathered together, and when one of them, which was a lawyer, asked a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus saying unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And just for a bonus, just to show who he was, who he is, he said, the second is to, on the, is to thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So, if we go to what I was just talking about, how we only talk to God when we need something out of desperation, and then we look what Jesus said, Thou shalt love thy Lord God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind. Does that sound like we are doing what we are supposed to do? Are we following that greatest commandment? Are we loving God the way we should be loving Him? 
Absolutely not. And to love our neighbor. Do we love our neighbor? And what kind of love do we show? Even for the ones that we hold the dearest, the closest to us. Are we loving them with everything that we have? We just uh, went through February. And we know in the middle of the month, the 14th, there's a mark on the calendar for it. And of course, that as soon as the Christmas stuff was marked down and the New Year's stuff was out of the way, they started throwing out all of the Valentine's Day stuff. Valentine's Day is not a godly holiday. It's nowhere in the Word of God. It's another one of those things that we based on pagan beginnings. And we just look at how we, we treat it and how we look at how we, we treat each other based upon it. So you're walking through the stores... And you see all these things lined up. And I went in on my way to get a gallon of milk. And I seen these bins upon bins upon bins down the middle of the aisle of these giant stuffed bears and different trinkets. And they had a whole entire section dedicated with the big chocolate candies and and all these different things. And I know that we've been living in a time of inflation and everything is much more than it should be. But when I looked at some of the prices of some of these things, I was just in real disbelief. That we have to spend hundreds of dollars on a trinket that has no value. That's going to be gone and discarded in just a, a small amount of time. And it just so happens that I had returned to the same place on the, the day of, on the 14th. Ironically, there to buy milk again. We go through a lot of milk. So I'm going after my, my milk run. And that section that I have to pass by again is in a, a state of, of chaos. People are frantically looking through these items. Trying to find something. And what caught my real attention was it was the the looks on their faces now when i buy a gift for someone i try to put some thought into it i want something that they're going to use that they're going to enjoy 
that they're going to have a real connection with. My sons, they're twins, they just celebrated a birthday a little bit back this month. And they're both autistic and they both have their different interests. And one of them was really into a few different things. He would look at them, look at pictures of them, and show them to us. He doesn't talk, but that's his communication. He would show them what he wants, and he would take and have us touch them and to look at them. And this went on for weeks before his birthday. And we talked about his birthday and talked about, did you want this for your birthday? And there was one item that stood out amongst everything else that he was just absolutely obsessed with. And of course, that we always want to make our children happy, and we want them to to have the things that they want. And when you have an autistic child, and they have a very limited palette of what they enjoy, and there's something that really stands out, you really want to make that happen. And the thing is, it wasn't nothing that was hard to find. It wasn't nothing that, that was expensive. It was just what he wanted. And so... It came, and we gave it to him, and he opened it up, and you could just see the, the sheer look of joy on his face, the biggest smile that you ever wanted to see, and he, he played with it all that day, and then when, when bedtime came, he didn't even want to give it up. We had to take it and take it away, had to put it up to, for the next day, so we'd go to sleep. And then the next morning, he woke up on his own. He must have been thinking about it, dreaming about it, because that's the first thing he wanted when he got up the next morning. And he's kept it with him ever since. It's been a real source of joy. And then when you're, when you're buying these things, and you're, you, if you take a look at your own self, you might feel that you have a little smile on your face. You have a, a little bit of joy in your heart because... You're making someone happy. And it doesn't matter who you're giving the gift to. If it's to your child, your, your spouse, your significant other, even to a stranger. You know, we don't talk about that very much. How we can give and make a difference in someone's day. You know, and it don't have to be nothing, nothing big. You know, you go into the grocery store and you have a whole basket full of items and the person behind you just has like two things in their hands and you let them go in front of you. It was a small thing that you can do, but to that person, that was big. I think it's grand when a stranger comes up to you, someone that doesn't know you from anyone else, and they come up to you and they give you a gesture of goodwill. That's what it means to love thy neighbor. But we go back to, to my, my story. And so I'm looking at the faces of all these people. And if you would describe them all together, or if you would describe them individually, you would not use the word joy 
to show the expression that was on their faces. It was anything but. It was frustration. It was aggravation. Because they're having to go and do a task that you can obviously tell they don't want to do. And for whatever reason, they've put it off to the absolute last minute. And they're looking frantically, trying to find something that will work, trying to find something that will fit their budget. And for what? They're doing this because the calendar tells us to. Because tradition tells us to. And they're looking for a response. They're in hopes that it's going to invoke a positive response. That they might get something in return. Or they're trying to prevent a negative response. Because we as a whole, we think we've taken love and we've only decide to show it on a few select days because the calendar says so. When we buy our Christmas presents, are we doing it out of necessity, out of tradition, out of because we have to, or are we doing it because we really want to? Are we going in? Are we, are we buying those flowers, those chocolates and stuffed bears? Are we going to dinner? Are we buying expensive jewelry because we want to or because we have to? And these are the people that we say we love. That we put first. The people that are supposed to complete us. Part of us. So what do we do to everyone else? We have... Our neighbors. You know, they have these uh, show that comes on. A reality series. It's called Neighborhood Wars. And it documents the trouble that people have with their neighbors. Where they park their cars, where they... Put their trash cans over the property lines, over noise levels. And most of the time it comes down to that one person is being overly controlling, thinking that the world revolves around them. And then on the other side, there's a lack of compassion and courtesy. We don't care about anybody else except ourselves. 
goes back to the first example. We're doing what we're doing out of the tradition of doing it because we're suspected of us because we're trying to get a either a positive result for ourselves or, a, or prevent a negative result for ourselves. It's selfish. How is it that we can love God with all of our minds, all of our souls, and all of our hearts if we can't love our neighbors? If we can't love the ones that we hold dearest to us? And to think about that. If you're sitting here today, if you're listening, and I ask, do you love God? Well, of course. You're going to say that. I love God with all my heart. But do you? Do your actions reflect that? God is first and foremost in my life. Or is he? Do your actions reflect that? We have a very conditional form of love. We want something in return. And if we don't get it, there's consequences. There's consequences. There's going to be passive-aggressive behavior. There's going to be resentment. And eventually that can lead to, to separation. It's amazing when you see people that go through the acts of, of divorce or separation and they see how nasty they can be towards one another. How two people that once stood before God and committed themselves to one another, that were in love, that wanted to spend the rest of their lives together, can have hatred to one another. And many times it's not just one incident. And people and relationships can survive an incident. Many have overcome great incidences and is able to go on and move forward and retain and made a strong and wonderful relationship afterwards. But it's the little things that keep building up little by little. And we lose focus of what we're, we're doing. God has purpose. He tells us to love God with all of our hearts, our minds, and our souls. Now, why would he want that? And we get the idea because, oh, God wants to be worshipped. He made us to worship him, and he wants that. He wants that. You know, God was perfectly content without us. He is the beginning and the end. 
He created us to love. And no matter what we do to Him, if there was any human relationship the way we are with God, it would not last. Because if we were in the footsteps of God, we would say, forget it. Because it's not balanced. It's not even close to being balanced. We're only, we're only there when we need something. God wants us to have focus on Him, mind, body, and soul. So if we do that, if we fill ourselves up with that, that becomes our main focus. And if, that, if we do that, it takes our eyes off the world. It takes our eyes off everything else that's a distraction, that's of the world, that's of Satan, the things that's going to harm us, the things that's going to condemn us, the things that's going to drag us off in the right direction, it's going to pull us into the darkness. God is the light, so he wants us to be filled with light, mind, body, and soul. So we can think on him. We can think about his word. You look at Jesus here. Every time they were trying to trip him up, these were smart people, and they're like, oh, I'm going to come at him, I'm going to trip him up, I'm going to show him. And then every time, Jesus can use the word. And he can combat whatever they throw at him. This is an example for us. God wants us to be like Jesus and be able to combat whatever the world throws at us. With all thy heart. I like to think about David. They repeatedly say that David had a heart for God. And we look at David's actions. You know, David wasn't perfect. David made mistakes. David wasn't the ideal person. You know, many times we look at the, the visual of what a person looks like. When they talk about high school or college quarterbacks, they, they think they should have a certain look about them. It should be a certain size, a certain weight, a certain height. And sometimes that becomes more important than their, their skill set. Because it seems like that if you have a great skill set, but you don't quite look the part, that you're not quite that first draft material. And that's where David fell at. He was so far down the string that he wasn't even up for water boy. But yet, he had that heart for God. And that heart does two things. One thing is, it allows you to allow God to take you places that you never thought you could go. Let me clear up. It starts now a little bit too much like Joel Osteen there. So, God sees your potential. And God 
knows what you are capable of. And he knows what you're not capable of. And the thing with him is that he can take you through those difficulties, through those disadvantages, and get you to the other side. David was not in line to be king, but because his heart, connecting with God, he was able to to rise up. And another thing is that heart for God, why God wants you to have that heart, loving with all your heart, it's like a magnet. Because there's so much temptation in the world. There's so much sin. And we're, we're in it. We're sinful. We're sinful people. No, none is not righteous. No, not one. That includes each and every one of us. So when we, we drift off, God in that heart pulls us back. Pulls us back. That's our base. Takes a little bit and we realize, hey, I'm going off course. But we have that foundation that pulls us back, that magnet. And with our soul, you know, the one that God's got his commandments etched on, the one that connects with the Holy Spirit. That leads us and guides us. The one that can connect with God when we don't have the words to say. You know, it's real easy. We can sit down and we can talk to God. And some of us are real good at at praying out loud. And we can say these beautiful, long, wordful prayers. And this can be really, really inspiring. But there's times in our lives when things are are so tough and that emotions have us choked down or pain have us choked down that the only thing you can do is, is utter the words Jesus. To say, help me, Lord. And it's during these times that the soul and the heart, because God knows what's on your heart, can intercede. They can send that message. They can give that permission to God to come on down and to work in my life. In our mind, again, that it should be first and foremost. It should be our our weapon, our Line of defense. The word tells us that the word is a sword. And it says that God is our armor. We are both offense and defense when it comes to taking on the world. But it's no good if we don't use it, if we put it in the corner. And leave it there, it's no good to us. We can't use it. And if we don't know how it works, how the armor comes together, how the sword is wielded, it's where the mind comes in. We say that we don't have time for it. We have time 
for whatever we deem necessary to have time to. And God tells us that we need him first. You know, if we just tried that, we put God first, that everything would fall into place. And I wonder if we put God first, how many of these things in our lives that we deem so important that takes up so much time would simply fall away because they would lose their importance in the eyes of the Lord. Love thy neighbor. Just be. Just treat people the way you want to be treated. Take a moment to be to be nice, to do something. We have to realize that the way we act has to do with the influence of the world and the curse that we all live under from the fall of man. We think that we always have to get something in return. Get something in return. God is an example that that's simply not the case. Jesus is that example that's simply not the case. He gave us his life. What did he get in return? And you would say, well, he gets our, our, our love, our affection. He get, he, we worship him because of this. And no, that's not the case at all. He tells us to do these things not for his benefit. The purpose is ours. Everything that God tells us to do is for us. He gets the rap of being selfish. He gets the rap of being a tyrant. That everything has to be his way or, or nothing. It's simply not the case. Everything he does is for us. Look at the world that we are living in today. Would you describe it as love? There is no love. There's no love for the fellow man. We have division in every way. And everything that can be debated causes more division. And each side pushes to cause further and further division. So what we're at a point where there is no love for one another. That all we have is opinions and opinions have to, to stick together. There's no opportunity to see God in anything 
because we don't put him out there anymore. And the more that we do, the more that we are condemned for it. And the more they try to discredit and to take it down. And things that are not of God are getting inflated and praised. We have no unity. And this is what Satan wants because it's the opposite of what God tells us. So we divide. And if we can't see any benefit for us, we choose not to help. Not to be a a part of something. And we see all these people that's marching and protesting. And we say, well, they're part of something. At what cost? What is their motivation? Is it they're truly passionate about a cause that they're truly trying to make a difference or they want to be part of something that they want to be able to say yeah i do this i support that they want to be part of that group see we're all looking for love we're all looking to come together we're looking to be part of something but we have no direction in how to do it because god is the source god is the only thing that brings us together everything else is trivial and unimportant Everything of this world will not matter. This world is limited. It will come a time. It will be destroyed and rebuilt. Our eternity is in heaven. Our empire. What matters is how we interact with each other and how we interact with God. Thou shalt love thy Lord God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is to love thy neighbor as thyself. How many times do you hear hear these? How many people will stand up and debate this and tell you this is what we need to do? You can find people all day long that'll tell you you shouldn't eat pork. But when it comes to the stuff that really matters, the greatest commandment, we hear silence. But it's not too late. It's not too late. We can change. We can change our hearts. We can change our souls and we can change our minds. We can wash away the world and we can be drenched in God. God.